Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. Welcome to The Preventable. With me today are several esteemed guests, including one who is back for his third appearance. Uh, As always on The Preventable, we're so grateful for the support of Hubbard Radio. That's how we're able to do uh, these podcasts, and that's how we're uh, in our current third season, which is always so incredible to even stop and think about. So without further ado, uh, I'd like to introduce the third-time guest, who is John Gall. And by this point, he might need no introduction, but I'll give it anyway. So John, you have been a partner of PreventEds for quite some time with your work in the construction industry around mental health. And uh, you came to me with an idea and you said, I got a podcast topic for you. So tell me and tell our everybody listening, what was your idea? Well, thank you once again for allowing me to participate in your podcast series. Nicole, I think um, the work you guys have done over the past few years has really made an impact on on our community as well as our industry. Um, Yeah, I I know that you're often uh, out in public, and I caught you uh, a couple months ago and said, hey, I think I got an idea for you. And that idea was... uh, Basically, uh, TBIs in the construction industry. So TBIs are traumatic brain injuries. Um, Having uh, written on the topic as well as presented on the topic, um, I've come across people who have uh, similar concerns but come from different perspectives. But yet we all have the same goal in mind. And all of us are uh, in the construction industry. And we have our own stories to tell. And uh, it's not just about the stories, it's about the work uh, that a progressive organization within the industry, a national organization, uh, is moving the industry towards, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, So with that in mind, I'd like to introduce uh, the other two panelists. There's three of us today. Uh, One of the panelists is uh, Joseph Whiteman. He's with uh, the American Society for Concrete Contractors. Uh, he's got uh, his version to tell of uh, TBIs uh, and what he brings to the industry. And then there's Scott Greenhouse. And uh, Scott uh, is uh, an engineer by trade, and he brings a different perspective. But yet, uh, we all are speaking to this issue of TBIs. Uh, Scott is going to uh, relate his story. and, uh, of course, my story's uh, related from a sports uh, standpoint. So we've got an industry standpoint, we've got a military standpoint, and we've got a sports standpoint. But we all come together because we're in the construction industry. And one of the things we do is we hire a lot of vets. And sometimes vets uh, bring some baggage mm-hmm. to the table. And that's not a bad thing. It's just something that we all need to be aware of. And uh, I think the sooner we're aware of it and learn how to address those issues, the better. Uh, I always tell people that the time to uh, buy a fire extinguisher is not when your house is on fire. 
So uh, with that being said, uh, I'm going to turn it back well, over to you. Know, Nicole John, to... you're yeah, you know you're speaking. You know you're speaking my love language, John, because you're talking about prevention, right? And prevention is what we do right. at PreventEd. You're right. The best time to buy a fire extinguisher is before there's a fire. The best time to wear a life jacket is before you get catapulted out of the boat and need to figure out how to swim. And what I think you're arguing is that, you know, the best time to prevent a head injury or prevent another head injury um, is with some equipment and maybe thinking through uh, what that equipment looks like and, and um, ensuring the, the safety of folks. So uh, before I turn it over, I'm going to start with you, Joseph. I think what you said, John, was so interesting about TBIs or traumatic brain injuries. You know, a lot of times we think about them with sports or maybe like a motorcycle injury or an ATV accident or something like that. And I don't know that we always think about it in terms of um, injuries that could happen just on somebody's typical job site, right? And so um, I like that we're doing this to kind of draw attention to traumatic brain injuries in general, because I think it's something that's not really discussed that often, um, but then really more specifically. So Joseph, um, could you talk a little bit about a kind of like why you care so much about this issue, what brings you here today, and then also maybe some some things that you're looking to do uh, moving forward? Yeah, yeah. Thank you uh, again, uh, Nicole, for the opportunity, and John, thanks for thinking about me. Uh, this obviously uh, hits real close to home for me. Uh, first and foremost, I, I uh, unfortunately. Uh, Actually, it's actually a bittersweet uh, situation for me. It was the, the worst thing that ever happened to me, but at the same time, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the best thing that ever happened to me because I wouldn't be here today with the opportunity that I have that would presented itself to have the most amazing career uh, that I have. Uh, it's, it's, it's opened a door that I never knew ever existed, a career that I never knew it existed. So uh, that in itself has been a blessing. Uh, I have a blessed life for that. So uh, 20 years ago, I was in the Marine Corps. I was in Iraq. Long story short, the Reader Digest version, um, uh, uh, IED, improvised explosive device, uh, exploded and got myself and six others. I had 17 pieces of shrapnel uh, go into my face, lost my right eye. I had four pieces of shrapnel get shoved into the frontal lobe of my brain. So I had to have two craniotomies to remove the shrapnel out of my brain. Fast forward, got home, uh, lost my right eye. Everything worked out great. Uh, fortunately, my dad worked for a very, very large uh, general cro- contractor. My condition was so bad that the Marine Corps flew my parents to Germany because they didn't know I was going to survive that, uh, that, uh, the surgeries. In his absence, uh, the regional safety director uh, for the company heard about uh, the, my injury after he got back, asked about my condition, asked if he could reach out and thank me for my service because he was a prior uh, service member. Turned into a couple conversations, and after I got out, he offered me a job in safety and ran with it ever since. So here I am today talking to you and talking about you know traumatic brain injuries and and sharing knowledge and sharing experiences and and uh, you know trying to make everybody live a safer life. So here we are. Um, but it's interesting that uh, we're talking about the prevention of su- uh, substance uh, misuse and disorders because. Uh, Unfortunately, I've learned and we've learned as, as uh, the more technology gives back, um, traumatic brain injuries are turning out to be the gift that keeps on giving. Um, John, I tried to reach out to you a couple of weeks ago and, and timing uh, hasn't worked out, but uh, 
about five weeks ago, uh, about 4.45 in the morning, my wife woke up to me having a, a, a tonic-clonic or what used to be known as a grand mal seizure. Um, so fast forward a couple weeks, had an EEG and an MRI, and turns out that um, they found out that over you know 20 years or whatever, after having a traumatic brain injury, um, developing epilepsy is a common side effect. So I have now developed Whoa. epilepsy from this traumatic brain injury. So Whoa. now dealing with epilepsy, which is fine. It's manageable from, you know, a lot of people have epilepsy. It's very easily manageable, but, uh, you know, that I was supposed to go within the ASCC. I had a presentation to give on beyond the injury, what it, the effects that it has on yourself, on your family, going through the healing process. And, and that, that presentation that I was going to give has now just become the introduction to this presentation that I'm now giving on you know, everything else that I've, I've learned and what we're going through. So it's, uh, it's, uh, there's a lot to, to digest. And I'm still kind of reflecting and learning and, and what, what we're doing. And there's, there's a lot that we need to take a step back and, and realize that there's a lot of opportunities for people to doors to open for, you know, people to, to you know, unfortunately get pushed into a system and, and take advantage and have the opportunity to have, you know, uh, you know, idle hands, if you will, time to misuse and take the opportunity to take you know, the wrong drugs. Or when I, when I met with the neurologist, for instance, um, they had to put me on anti-seizure medicine. And he says, I need to know what other medication you're on so we don't have any synergistic effects. And fortunately for me, uh, I, I wasn't on any. He, he didn't believe me, actually. He says, what other, what other uh, medication are you on? I said, none. He says, no, really, I need to know so we don't have synergistic effects, nothing, uh, uh, you know, nothing bad happening. I looked at my wife and he, she's like, none. And I said, I, I've never been on any other uh, medication. He said, even after you got out of the Marine Corps, I said, no. He said, how is that possible? And for me, this is going to be a big part of this presentation that I'm working on. And, and I had a phenomenal, strong uh, support system. That's right. My father, friends, family. Uh, as soon as I got out of the Marine Corps, I bought a house. I gutted the kitchen. My dad taught me how to build cabinets and woodwork. And I remember throwing wood through the walls and punching holes in the walls. And he would call me down and we'd remeasure and I'd see where I went wrong. And you know, after the seizure, I think back and I'm like, man, that was therapy. That kept me busy. I kept, you know, my wife. It was your outlet. Was, it was my outlet. And I would have goals. My wife would, used to give me a hard time because I would go from one hobby to the next or one, <gasps> one goal to the next. She goes, I get it. You were just always having the next goal, the next to get, the next thing to keep your mind busy. And that's what it was. And I think we don't talk about that enough, right? And, yeah. and so that's something that I really need to dive in and express and, and just get that message out is there's more to that next pill to keep your mind off of something. You, we, we just need to, to look at what else is available to us. And I'm not knocking that. And I, I, don't, I hope I don't offend people. No, no. But there's, there's, that, that, that does certainly, there, that's certainly helpful to a lot of people, but there's also other, you know, we talk a lot. We talk a lot on here on on how to cope, right? And yes, you know that's right. why we begin in kindergarten teaching kiddos how right. to cope. It's a skill right. that can be taught, and many times right. with adults, we don't right. always think we we don't have a huge toolbox of coping strategies. It's coping right. and and self care is way more than a face mask, right? It's way more right. than you know. Um, a beer at the end of the day, there's a lot That's of right. other things that we can do and it's not knocking pharmaceuticals. There's a time and a sure. place for those. That's um, right. But especially if you've had some sort of tra trauma to your brain right. and that, uh, that has disrupted your life or your family's life and the emotional sure. trauma that comes with, 
you know, being a veteran and things that you've seen and experienced. I mean, there has to be an outlet for that. TBI aside, right? There has to be an outlet for that. Scott, What, what are you just like, you know, did they just like sucker you in today? How'd you get involved in all of this? What brings you here? Well, they they didn't sucker me in and uh, actually <laughs> feel, feel very fortunate to uh, have met John and interact a lot with Joe. Um, you know, they have very compelling stories and I, I really appreciate uh, what they're both doing. Uh, in the industry to to tell their stories and, and to make things better. And uh, I'm part of the construction industry, uh, executive at a, at a construction firm, has about 3,000 people throughout the U.S. and the Middle East. We do heavy construction work. We have an engineering. We have specialty products f- primarily focused on repair and restoration of concrete structures. And uh, so, so why I'm here and part of this team is, uh, you know, construction is an extremely hazardous occupation, as we all know. And uh, 25% of the fatalities in construction are related to tra- traumatic brain injury. And, and so we know Can that that is... Can you say that one more time? Can you say that one more time? 25% of the fatalities wow. in construction are related to traumatic brain injuries from wow. a variety of different things, falls and slip trips and falls or impact, open head wounds, closed head wounds, things like that. So it's a significant problem. Uh, as you, uh, as I believe you mentioned, it's sort of underappreciated as a problem in the construction industry. And during most of my career in construction, I guess I sort of underappreciated it also until uh, you know, our experience was a construction site on a project in Miami where we were involved in the construction of a very unique concrete structure that um, to, uh, to get to the, the end uh, collapsed during construction. And during that uh, episode, uh, we had several of our people uh, on the structure when it collapsed. Um, wow. One of our People's uh, one of our, our crew uh, died later that day from his injuries, and the the foreman of our crew, who had been, it's kind of an icon in the industry, works on these unique type of structures. He was seriously injured, um, uh, suffered a severe traumatic brain injury, and also um, had internal injuries, mm-hmm. uh, and we. Uh, this was all over the news, and we visited the site the next day. And one thing we noticed—that's like your worst nightmare, when, right? Like as an executive a, for a company, that's like your worst yeah. nightmare. It's a it's a nightmare, and uh, we I know I, I, personally, I take the health and well being of of all of our people personally. I feel right. like you know, I'm a steward for them and for their families. So. Uh, we immediately went to the site, visited our employee in the hospital, and on the site we noticed um, there was an NTSB was there, and the police, and the homicide unit, and it was very intimidating. But we noticed that their their hard hats were on the ground, and we started to think about, well, what would have 
would there be have been a different outcome uh you know had their hard hats stayed on their heads and that launched us in a journey in looking at how do we better protect uh, our people from head injuries and uh, as we launched into that journey um, we noticed and we actually knew this before that around the world uh, people in construction wear something called a, a more of a construction helmet similar yeah. to your bike helmets ski helmets motorcycle helmets uh, pretty much any sport that you might participate in has a helmet football helmets and and in other places in the world they they wear helmets in the US, as opposed to your wearing... traditional hard hat that sits up kind of high and that yes, falls uh, off and those have been around for at least 60 Ever. years in the Columbia. right forever so the state of the technology is the same and they're fine if you're going to get an impact right to the top of your head but if you get a side impact or if you fall it falls off your head and so that led us to uh, to looking at well there 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 is got to be something better there is something better because everything that we do in our lives outside of our work our hazardous construction work we wear a helmet why why the right. heck are we not wearing a helmet sure so we made a commitment to our people that we were going to research this topic and we were going to switch from the traditional hard hats uh, to to a construction helmet and not only that we said well you know we all we are our, our, our people who work in construction whether they work for us or work for anybody else they're they're all our people right there we all pull from the same pool of people and it's not enough for us to uh, protect our own people. We need to protect, and we want to protect everybody in the construction industry. So as we, you know, it's easy for us to, to say as, as uh, you know, leadership of the company, we're gonna make the change. But the next step is to say, well, we think everybody else should make the change. Like that it should be why. an industry standard or an industry. Yes. Does somebody like OSHA set that requirements or is it more of like a it would it be less of a mandate and more of a companies are doing this and really opting in or That's is a it really maybe a mixture of both no it's a good it's a great question so osha does set the standard but for protective equipment in this case they happen to refer to another organization called uh, ansi um and ANSI uh, specification calls for the traditional hard hat. Hmm. So in order to change that, uh, it's usually, uh, OSHA usually pushes for more strict standards and um, they're usually pushed against by industry. So they OSHA picks their sure. fights, you know? Sure, sure. And so we said, well, we want, we do want the, uh, the, the legislative part of it to change. Uh, we're going to change the paradigm. Uh, we in industry are going to push OSHA to, to to have a more strict standard. Right, you're like which, flipping it on its head there. Yeah. It's flipping it on its head. And we've been up to Capitol Hill and people are saying, well, I don't get what you're doing. I don't understand this. It's never happened before. Right, right. right. You want so, something more strict? You want the government to be yeah, more strict? Want, Interesting. want something yeah. more strict. So that kind of freaks them out because they're not used to that. It's a different paradigm. Um. But so that's a long process. Yeah. The short right. process is we want to start saving lives today. Today. And 
that's the journey that we've been on. Joe's been on that journey. John's helped us with this journey to get the word out and work with other organizations, trade associations, right down to individual mom and pop companies, talking to them about what is the, the features and benefits of the helmets, why you should make the change and attempting to overcome the objections. Right. So that's, that's where, that's what I was going to ask you about. And uh, so in preparing for this episode, I was, I was thinking um, about people that I know in the industry. And as I've shared on this uh, podcast before, I grew up in a construction family. My dad uh, worked in construction, started as a laborer, ended up, you know, running a construction company. All of his friends were superintendents, laborers, whatever, you name it. It, it was that. And I remember going to job sites and rarely, honestly, rarely seeing people wearing hard hats unless the boss was there. Uh, I was then kind of thinking in my, in my head, we currently have a staff member who was working in construction and suffered a TBI on the construction site that nearly ended his life and assuredly ended his career in construction. And to your point, Joe, he still suffers with lots of residual effects. They tried to pump him with pain meds and he was a person in long-term recovery and said, no, thank you. But that battle is still being waged, right? I mean, his health is still severely affected. Um, And I was also, I can't even believe I didn't think about this, but two months ago, I was having construction done on my house. I have a kind of a traditional city three-story and we had a, a, the roof was being replaced and one of the roofers fell off the roof Hmm. onto the concrete pad below. Hmm. And I get a call saying, ambulance is here. Their rope broke. He wasn't wearing a helmet. Um, and this gentleman is still in the hospital, you know, I mean, the bones can be fixed. He is alive and that's great, but he's had tremendous, you know, damage to, to his head and his brain. And this is me as somebody who like, I don't work in the construction industry and I was able to come up with three, uh, anecdotes related to this. That's odd. And it shows to me how pervasive this challenge really is. And I'm curious about pushback. Are helmets, you know, when I was growing up, kids didn't really wear bike helmets. Now bike helmets are cool, right? And you put stickers on them and they're the kind that look like the Mohawks and there's all kinds of cool stuff. And if you don't wear a helmet right now and you're a kid, it's kind of like, where'd your helmet go? So do you see that that tide is changing? Do some people say, I don't want to, it's a, it's annoying. It's troublesome. I'd rather just go without it. Um, do some people just like the traditional hard hats? Where's any pushback coming from besides the government folks that are saying, wait, you want us to be more strict, but where else is it coming from? So, uh, so you mentioned your bike experience. So I'm a biker, I'm a skier. And, you know, when our kids were little, you know, none of us wore helmets. No, no. Um, then we said, okay, maybe we should do this for our kids. 
And then as adults, we said, hey, we got to set a good example. Right. And you go skiing today, and it's very, very rare to see anybody skiing without a helmet. I mean, it's very rare. So it's been it's been adopted. In construction, uh, the hard hat, and you know this from your experience with your family, there's very little that uh, differentiates a construction worker from another construction worker. It's their hard hat. And they put stickers on there. This is this is my journey in construction. And so they're very attached to that. And and when we think of construction workers, very proud, you know, group of people, then they think of their their hard hat. You know, that's what makes the whole person, right? It's part of you. It's the look, so, it's the image. Yes. It's the exactly. So so yes, there's it's a change. Anything's a change. And what we've worked hard to do, uh, so the, the helmets are, are more comfortable than hard hats. Um, that's, that's, I think, been established. Uh, they're more flexible. There's accessories that you can put on it, earmuffs, face shield, uh, okay. lights, those so designed for that. Um, so the, the way that we've worked as in our company and in the industry is to really talk about the why. Why are we doing this? Um, it's it's not because we said you have to, right? It's because of all the story. You got to tell the story, you know, our story, Joe's story, um, and all the others that have traumatic brain injury and what that means to them, what what that means to their families, what what our boy's life has completely changed. He's you know can barely communicate. You know, his kids will never know their father oh. as a as a fully functioning adult. And it's it's tragic, really. It, it is. And, and you all know it, that it is. And and it's you know, so, yes, we're, we're making this change. But this is why. And this, this is, is why, why it's so important. And this is why we we care about you as a person. And we want to make sure that, that you're adequately protected and there's something better. That's that's what we believe is the culture in a company. And, and I think more and more in our industry, believe the culture is we need to protect and take care of our people. Because well, uh, they're our of, most valuable asset. Absolutely. There's, there's a big shortage of workers. So absolutely. every single one, every single absolutely. one needs to be healthy and protected. And, and that's the that's the communication. And when we say healthy and really protecting our valuable, most valuable asset, which is our people and making sure that they're healthy, we're talking physically healthy and we're also talking mentally healthy. Right. And so, John, exactly. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about because I know you've researched this, you've been part of studies. Um, could you talk a little bit about why this issue is so damn important to you and then maybe the link between um, head injury and mental health. Cause I know that that's a, that's a, a really, um, hot topic for you personally. Yeah, sure. The, um, point that, that, that Scott was making earlier, uh, it's really, uh, kind of our, our starting, uh, ground level data that we can work from. And, and that is um, the CDC back in 2016 performed a study and they looked at data 
in the construction industry from 2003 through 2010. And they saw that over 2,000 uh, deaths were related to TBIs in the construction industry. And that uh, basically uh, accounted for, as Scott indicated, 25, per, you know, approximately 25% of the construction fatalities in that time frame. And it was the leading category all, of all other categories of fatalities in the construction industry. So that's, you know, just the big one to start off with from uh, an industry and, yeah. and a community and society standpoint. Um, you know, from a personal standpoint, um, you know, it, it's, it's uh, near and dear to me. Uh, most of your listeners uh, know my story, my family story. We, we lost um, my son, John Jr. in, in, in March of of 2017 to suicide uh, as a result of uh, traumatic brain injuries from high school soccer and football. And, um, you know, it is something that uh, we saw him go through those, those changes uh, in physical and mental health, uh, as you were alluding to. Uh, here was a all-state soccer player who, who had not used uh, illegal drugs uh, starting to turn to uh, illegal drugs in order to uh, help with his chronic pain. And um, so it changes a person, uh, you know, from a physical standpoint, these, these TBIs, uh, uh, in his case, he had, he had uh, two uh, concussions in, in junior year, but one from soccer, one from football. And at least two we know in senior year, and the two in senior year were two weeks apart, and they were both knockouts. And in 2010, mm-hmm. we didn't know what we, you know what we know now, and that would have never happened. Uh, we didn't now, know then what we know now, because, right? Yep, you know because we would have never let him back on the field because uh, he ended up with a bruise on top of a bruise, and that's known as second impact syndrome. And that's just a downward spiral in many cases. And his uh, was for sure one that proved that. And so he had physical, you know, issues, you know, uh, where uh, light and sound and, and you know, just uh, uh, things of that nature. He had cognitive issues where he was starting to forget things and became angry, you know, really quick. Um uh, that leads into the you know behavioral and emotional, where it became more and more aggressive, and so um, I know um, what those last six months were like for our family. I can't imagine what the last six years were like for him. Um, I often tell people you you, you got to do what you can do. You can't you can't give up because um, you never know if the the you know solutions around the corner. Uh, as frustrating as it may be for both parties, right. you know, the the victim as well as the family. Um, but uh, one thing I try to leave people with is is that uh, if there's one thing I can do is if I can share my story and something connects and it it gets to those individuals that they become more proactive, then maybe they don't have to live the daily nightmare that my family lives. And so. Um, I really thank people like Joe and Scott 
for stepping out because this is not an easy issue in a very traditional male-dominated macho kind of industry. Um, I think people locally, Nicole, one of your past guests, uh, you know him, Bo Cooper, the safety director for Alberici, you know, yep. a worldwide contractor. He stepped out and he's done the right thing. And, you know, on the new St. Louis That's soccer right. stadium, that was uh, a safety helmet job only. No hard hats. So, wow. Uh, wow. It, it's, it's, you know, it's changing a culture. Uh, it's not easy to do, but we got to keep after it because I know um, it's much safer in the context of when we hear stories like Scott's story and, you know, when, when, when people fall, uh, gosh, you know, it's hard to guess what might have happened, but it's easy to know that what could have happened uh, it had that helmet still been strapped on his head. And so, um, well, you know, and I, that's, I, I mean, that we I say that all the time, John. Yeah. I mean, we say that all the time that in prevention, any kind of prevention, the best work happens when nothing happens. Right. So like for us to be able to equip people with the safety helmets, Yes, we want those numbers to go down, and it might take a little bit of time for those numbers to go down once implementation really starts picking up. But also, it's thinking about what injuries could or were prevented as a result of these helmets. So, Joe, I have a question. So, is there anything that we can do as we're listening here um, to help you all in your mission? to, I would say, you know, spread broad-based adoption of safety helmets. So if somebody's listening in their car, is there anything that we can do to help you in your fight? Yeah, spread the word. Go to uh, 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 hardhatstohelmets.org, right, Scott? Hardhatstohelmets.org, okay. Yeah, you can go, go to the website. Awesome. It's, a, it's a one-stop shop. It's got all the information you need to uh, help uh, make the switch. We have a lot of information on there. We have testimonial information on there. A lot of members that have made the switch that have, have uh, uh, had incidents happen while wearing the helmets that have explicitly said, had I not had a helmet on when this happened, the outcome would have been tremendously more tragic and they probably wouldn't be there to tell that story. So um, that in and of itself, um, if you're not a believer in helmets, that will make you help them make that switch. Uh, that's probably the, it, Scott, you, you can speak up to that, uh, that website as well. That in and of itself, I, I think is probably the most powerful part on that website is those those testimonial videos and and just uh, just to see those those incidents and hear about those stories. Um, I mean, anything else on that website is gravy, but those, that just that information on there alone just is enough to help you help anybody that might be on the fence on making that switch is is enough to to to, to help out. But on there, awesome. all all kind of technical information, studies. Um, frequently asked questions. It's all on there. It's just a, we're doing everything we possibly can to just help people a- answer the questions that they might have in their head just to make that, that last, you know, apprehensive, you know, yeah. apprehensiveness go away. Absolutely. Yeah. Scott, I'm going to give you the final word. Is there anything that I should have asked that I didn't or anything else that you want our listeners to really take away from with this conversation? Well, I, I think, 
um, as we've discussed and, and the, the great work your organization does, um, we do equate, you know, physical health and mental health, um, you know, particularly in the construction industry where we're both physical health and mental health are under stress. You know, we have a very, very high rate of suicide in construction. We have a very, very high rate of opioid addiction and deaths in construction. And, you know, we're working so hard to attract people to our industry. We need more people. We have Infrastructure Act. We have CHIPS Act. We have billions and billions and billions of dollars to spend. And we can't do all this without people. And if we're, if we're out there telling people, well, if you don't get killed by, uh, you know, on the job, you might die by suicide. And if you don't die by suicide, then you might die by opioids. It's not a very attractive message. Yeah. So we have to work collectively to make, uh, make changes, drastic changes, so that this is a safer, uh, more attractive uh, profession. Because it's going to affect every single person in this country. Absolutely. We can't do what we, what we set out to do to resurrect our infrastructure, bring right. manufacturing home, all these great things that are now funded. Uh, it's not going to happen. So it, it, is, it is vitally important to each and every person. They might not think it affects them, but it affects them big time. It affects and the bridges that they drive on, the roads that they drive on, exactly. the buildings that they occupy. Infrastructure is unsexy, but without it, like we suffer. I mean, we really do. And so I think, and and I and I will be clear that you all have been doing this work for a long time around safety. This is not a way that you're trying to recruit and retain employees. This isn't a new thing that you all are doing, paying attention to the physical and mental health of your workforce because it's an in vogue thing to do. You all have been doing this for a very long time. And St. Louis is one of the industry leaders in paying attention to the physical and mental health of its construction industry. So I just want to make sure that that is abundantly clear for anybody listening that kind of thinks, you know, you're all like, um, you know, uh, just you've, you've joined the party late. No, you've been doing this for a long time. And this isn't just to get employees. This is to keep employees and make sure that the employees that you have, whether new or existing, are physically and mentally strong enough to do the work that our country needs. So you're, you're not, you know, showboating like you've, you all have been doing this work for a long time. Yes. Um, I am so incredibly appreciative of you, John, for suggesting this topic. I'm so incredibly grateful to you, Joseph, to you, Scott. I keep wanting to call you Joe. That's to you, fine. Joseph. Okay. Uh, yeah. To you, Scott, uh, for taking time out of your day. Uh, if you want more information on this, please consider visiting hearthatstohelmets.org. Um, and uh, we are so grateful for listening. If you like more of what you heard, if you want other topics. If you're like, yes, this episode really resonated with me, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to The Preventable. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us at The Preventable, brought to you ad-free by PreventEd. PreventEd works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.